0: Hey everybody that's listening. I am thrilled and excited to have Josh Chechno join me today. Josh is such an amazing friend. He is an immigration lawyer, but also a proponent of legal tech and legal innovation and protecting the society and helping people in terms of accessing legal help. Uh, Josh, so excited to have you with me today to talk about what you're working on, different things that are going on in your life, what are some of the trends that you're seeing, super excited how are you how are you doing i'm
1: i'm doing very well i'm honored that you would uh, choose to chat with me so i really do appreciate it and i'm looking forward to it
0: (laughs) wow so formal okay well you know listen man this is such an amazing opportunity to catch up with you you're one of those people that always supported me and i appreciate that i want to say it out loud you know you were one of the few people early on that you know, took some time to go through some of the, work, some of the legal tech work that I was doing, um, working on the Q&A platform for legal help. And you were building out more affordable, more approachable immigration practice. And so I feel like we both connected on that premise. Um, tell me a bit about it. I mean, how did you get into law? Take me all the way back. Take me back to that sort of like, Time when you decided that you want to be a lawyer, I mean, what was going through your head?
1: Yeah, so I've been asked this a fair amount. I've also reflected on it a fair amount. And my answer to that is I don't really ever remember a time where I didn't want to be a lawyer. So, you know, a lot of people aren't sure what to do in high school, or they switch programs in university, maybe they're not sure about a grad degree, whatever. And that's like normal, right? That's the majority probably of the population. And there was never a doubt in my mind from as far back as I can remember that I wanted to be a lawyer, and I wanted to go to business school, and then I, and then I was going to become a lawyer. So I did a BCom for my undergrad, and then I, I went right to law school, no gaps, no nothing, no second guessing. To answer the question why, that's, I, I don't really know. I can say a little bit. Uh, it's probably a combination of the way lawyers were portrayed to me growing up from the media, from the movies, from the shows, made it seem probably more more glamorous than it really is. But at the same time, when kind of gauging the different professions, the the what, what drew me to it, I think, was the... Number one, I love the idea of wearing a suit as a kid. Uh, That always appealed to me. But probably more importantly, I knew I wanted to do something mentally stimulating. I'm not one to be able to do, you know, monotonous stuff, which is ironic because you kind of have to do some of that when you start a tech company and, you, you know, you're doing the things that don't scale, et cetera, et cetera. But I was always drawn to the focus on the kind of intellectual stimulation, the, you know, it's a job that requires you to think a lot, right? Um, Creative thinking, depending on the area of law, strategic thinking. um, You know, I mean, we could go on and on, but something kind of always drew me to that profession. And then I'm sure the media kind of enhanced that a little bit more from the very beginning. I always have, I, I couldn't ever remember thinking of wanting to do something different even throughout school. And so here we are. This is so different from everybody else because everybody
0: else is kind of just trying to figure out where they fit in in terms of personality and the skill set. And you're just like, I know I want a challenge. I know I want a mentally stimulating challenge. You know, let me me do that. It's interesting because there's actually quite a few answers to this question as I'm talking to a lot of uh, lawyers. Somebody wanted to protect people. Somebody had a personal experience where they didn't want to end up, you know, being... In the in the situation of never knowing their rights and different you know things that they can do to protect themselves, um, and you know there we are. So I mean, immigration is 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 such a big industry, especially in Canada. I mean, Canada is ranked at least in the top five of the best countries to to immigrate to around the world. Um, and so is that why you decided to do immigration? Because you realized that there is a lot of need for that specifically in Canada, or was there like a choice that you made later on? And I mean, before you even answer that question, do lawyers know what they want to practice when they go
1: to law school, or is that something that constantly changes in their mind? That, that's a good question. I would probably say a lot of people have an idea, but they don't know exactly. And, there, and there's a few reasons. Number one is there's just a lot of different areas of law. Number two, until you really kind of learn a little bit more about what it's like, you actually have no idea. Right. And so even in law school, I would say and I would imagine most lawyers would agree that most classes in law school are not actually reflective of what it's like to practice that. Right. So you could take all the corporate law classes in the world, but you're still going to show up to the office to article on day one and not have a clue what the heck to do. And they're going to have to tell you. You're going to know the basics. You're going to know where to look. You're going to know, you know, which acts and statuses and stuff you might have to rely on. But you will have done three percent of what they actually want you to do in the law firm. So I was kind of the same. I always leaned towards corporate law because I had an extreme interest in business. Most of my, you know, my father, my grandparents, a lot of the family was just in business, whether entrepreneurial or working for, for other companies. And I did my BCom, as, as I said, I, I did my uh, undergrad in business, and I was always drawn towards that. Ironically, I, I, had already, I had always known that I wanted to be a lawyer, and I never even thought for even a half second that I would be an immigration lawyer. I didn't take it in law school. I didn't learn a thing about it. I had absolutely no interest. Nothing was drawing me to it. The reason why I basically fell ass backwards into it is because I articled and was doing mostly civil litigation. And I and I tasted a few other things, I had a little bit of real estate, a little bit of corporate. And I wasn't crazy about working at a firm. And so my articling ended and I said, I, I don't want to go back. I want to I don't know what I'm going to do. Right. Maybe I want to focus on corporate law, see what other opportunities are out there. And a friend of mine, a good friend of mine who I grew up with, his dad at the time was basically semi retiring. He was an immigrant. He is an immigration lawyer. And what my friend said is, hey, Josh, I know you're kind of, you know, looking for your next thing. My dad's an immigration lawyer. Canada's big in immigration. It's only getting bigger. There's all these like new programs targeting skilled workers and stuff. My dad's retiring. He's closing up his firm, but he doesn't want to do nothing. Like he still wants to, you know, ideally work with like a young lawyer. You know, mentor him, stuff like that. Do you want to work with him? And I'm telling you, I I didn't even know what immigration law encompassed. So I spent a few days you doing were born, some research. Because you were
0: born in Canada, right? You were. I was
1: born in Canada. I right. didn't. I you know. I think the only pass uh, visa I'd ever applied for was like the visitor visa to Vietnam because every other country, if you have a Canadian passport, right, right. like Your you could just walk just into the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I didn't even know what that, all that stuff was. Anyways, I did some research. It looked interesting. It looked like a promising decision. It also gave the, me the opportunity to start my own practice because he was closing up his. And so it was kind of a unique situation where I could try a new area of law. I could also start my own business and that kind of appealed to me. And that was about three and a half years ago and and I've been practicing immigration ever since.
0: I didn't realize that it's only been three and a half years. I thought, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. So what's well, you... I've only
1: been a lawyer for three and a half years. I, no, I'm uh, get out of relatively here. young. Yeah.
0: Wow. No, I I honestly thought by talking to you, because I know the way you talk and the way you sort of understand everything, is that you've been practicing at least for about 10 years. And I probably didn't realize how how, how fresh <laughs> you're sort of into this. Was that person maybe, offering maybe you any... The...
1: Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, maybe it's the usual beard and, and the deep voice <laughs> yeah. usually helps my yeah, case. Okay. There
0: you go. There you go. How to trick people into believing you're more mature than you're... Yeah, yeah. I've been practicing Amen. that the entire life I've been in
1: my late
0: teens. So was that person offering you any clients as he was retiring, did he say okay maybe you can take over this file or does any of that happen usually when you uh uh uh, 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 uh you know do some sort of like an apprenticeship or or yeah you know, i mean follow mature or i
1: i don't know if this was like a standard way of going about things right like he was, he closed his firm right like this wasn't like he's passing it on he quite literally closed it down and he said when i get clients you know or if i have previous clients reach out then uh, I'll let you know. And he definitely sent me clients over the years that we worked together. And uh, it was just great to have somebody to lean on uh, from a business and from a personal, as you and I were talking about off air, and we might even talk about a little bit on air. It's difficult when you're starting your own business, right, of any kind. And so it was good to kind of have someone in my corner that I could rely on, especially when you know, difficult immigration situations came up. And I had just started learning about immigration law, you know, weeks or or months before. And here's a guy who'd been working for decades. He worked, he worked in immigration Canada as well. He was the chief of staff to the minister of immigration. He had his own practice for decades. So it was, find a mentor. Mentors are great. Yeah. in, In any way, shape or form so you
0: you've been practicing immigration for about i know three years and then you decided to get into technology right you said you know there's an opportunity with technology so talk to me about that right talk, tell me about uh i know we know each other off air and you're running a pretty successful immigration tech startup called vista um and now you're even more into tech um, with your uh, you know latest tool. T- t- talk to me about it what what's been going on behind the scenes in the past sort of six months uh, and everything that you've been sort of working on to try to you know modernize and 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 shift focus from doing pure immigration to now sort of
1: become like this uh, legal tech solutions for people immigrating Yeah, so what ended up happening was we ended up building a firm around some of these tech related applications. So at the time a program called the global talent stream was just starting, which allowed Canadian companies to sponsor engineers and and bring them in on work permits, software engineers, developers and stuff like that. We actually kind of niche down on that. And I was working almost exclusively with tech companies and the software developers that they would sponsor. And what I realized after spending a few years basically filing their paperwork, because that's what you do, you know, if you're, if you're an immigration lawyer focused on applications, it's a lot of paperwork. And two things happened. Number one, I was kind of bored of filling out the same paperwork. Number two, I realized there were all these awesome tech companies automating all these cool things. And there was nobody doing it in immigration, despite the fact that a lot of it is quite repeatable, quite automatable. And so I just said, heck, you know, I'll just start it on my own. I started getting ideas of what it would look like. And eventually, I just pulled the trigger. I I, I came across my first co-founder, Richard, right around that time. Uh, We were connected by a mutual connection. And this guy called me and said, hey, Josh, I, I just spoke to a guy I know. And he just immigrated to Canada. He has this idea for immigration tech because of how much of a pain in the ass immigration is. Do you want to talk to him? And that was right when I was basically starting up the company and it was almost like an extra nail in the coffin. And I was like, more people kind of see the opportunity here. Let's do it. So what we've been doing ever since, we built a free portal that you can access at visto.ai. You can sign up for free. It's probably, I would say, definitely the most comprehensive free resource you'll find on the internet around navigating the different immigration programs in Canada and what we just launched last week, which is called Visto Qualify is a immigration calculator that will check your eligibility for more than 65 Canadian programs all in one shot. And we charge a very small fee for that because eventually we got to start paying the bills and because this is something that provides an extreme amount of value. uh, Nothing like it exists. In fact, even a lawyer in like a consultation probably couldn't go into the detail that uh, the algorithm does because there's so much to
0: uh, analyze, right? It's kind of like all these data points and you need to consider so many different things that go into the
1: application,
0: where they're from, how much education they have,
1: what their background. The the biggest part is, is the number of programs. So the hardest part is that Canada has so many immigration programs. There's probably hundreds. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but we qualify for about 67, 68 of the most popular programs. All in one place, right? You'll get your you'll get your info in about five minutes, depending on how quickly you can fill out the form. And so, to get that information, which no lawyer could store in their brain, I've tried many times and it hasn't worked yet. Uh, for about a tenth of the price of paying to use one, because we all know what the going rates are of you know paying to talk to a lawyer.
0: Right. So
1: um, we're just trying to make everything more convenient and more affordable. Is what it comes down to. And when you started that, I mean so you know you've been practicing traditional law
0: and then technology comes like i you know i know you're young and we sort of understand technology but coding and automation things like that probably came to you very very uh alien like you know just knowing how much it's going to cost shopping around for developers understanding how to prioritize features um what did it look like to, to walk me through that sort of like a couple of weeks to a month a few sort of you know, wagering that decision of you know whether you should jump into it and 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 dedicate a lot of financial resources to hire a developer, you know, productize <laughs> what you were sort of articulating in your head probably on the spreadsheet. Was was it scary? Did you did you know
1: where you were doing? Well, I would say it was scary at the beginning where I had no idea of of like you said, right, is this worth the risk? Is this something that's gonna work? And I would say to that, just keep it really basic. So up until about a month ago, all of our tech was on WordPress and most of our tech still is on WordPress. It's only Visto qualify. That's actually a custom built application. Mm. Everything else before that has either been built quite simply on WordPress and or thankfully I found my tech co-founder Alex, you know, shortly after we started. And so He's taken the lead on a lot of the stuff, especially the stuff I don't understand, although I have gotten quite good at WordPress, (laughs) Um, although the day we can finally move off of WordPress, I think will be a happy one. But what I would say to people as more of a takeaway is you can do a lot more testing than you probably think by keeping your technology extraordinarily simple. The the very first version of our website was actually on Squarespace. It didn't last long because the functionality there based on what you're trying to build is not very good. But if you're trying to sell a basic product or service, just use Wix or Squarespace, right? Or even if you need a little bit more complexity, there are so many plugins that you can uh, click onto, onto WordPress like our portal is still on WordPress, right? We have custom logins. And you have a great friends. portal, by the way. I've been there many times. Just, you know, yeah, most look, people are shocked. It doesn't look like a WordPress. It looked like a custom job to me. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, no, I, I like most tech folk like yourself are shocked to hear that we're still on WordPress. It's impressive what people, and and that's not me. That's my co-founder, Alex, built all of it. So a big kudos to him. Yeah. but. I think when most people think about tech startups and, oh, should I do this? Should I build that? They think about, oh, I I need a CTO or I need to spend money on this. I have to build that. Keep it super basic for as long as possible and try to prove out, you know, proof of concept, market validation, um, product market fit, all the buzzwords, whatever you want to call it, whatever applies. Try to prove that unless you're a techie, right? If you're a techie, it's a little bit different. I would say it might be worth it to build something basic and quick and and get it out there. But if you're a non-techie, either find a techie who's a good, who's someone who's good and you can rely on um, or keep it super basic. Keep the budget super small. Like don't spend four, five, maybe four, but don't spend five plus figures on any technology until you've got something proven out first is what I would say. 100%.
0: 100%. I just want to wrap it up here and just want to ask you one more question. Um, how is it going so far? What are you, now that you've launched and you mentioned the
1: tool has been, I think, out for about two weeks, one week? Um, it's been out for five. Qualify has been out for five days. So it's still very Five fresh. days. Yeah. Okay,
0: so what, what is it? It's it, how, 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 how are you interpreting uh, the market signal so far? What are you hearing from your early adopters, people that tested it? And, you know, to kind of sort of uh, streamline this answers, uh, what kind of people are you also targeting with it? Are these people currently in Canada? Are these, you know, uh, currently residing overseas that are want to come in here and try to make, you know, that informed
1: decision? Who are they? So what are you hearing and who are you targeting? Yeah. So, I mean, we target anybody who wants permanent residence in Canada. That can be a combination of people outside of the country, or it can also be Uh, international students or foreign workers that are in Canada, but don't have permanent residence yet. And so, so far it's still early, but the feedback because I email every single client that ends up uh, purchasing um, qualify, the feedback has been really positive in terms of what we built. It's working. There was one tiny bug and we fixed it pretty quickly. Uh, People are loving the results. They're really enjoying it. Uh, What the focus is now going to be on is kind of scaling beyond our community because what we've done over the past year is built up a community. You know, we have a few thousand users of our portal already. So they were the first audience that we went to, right? Which allowed us to kind of kickstart some of the sales from day one. Our Facebook community, we have over a thousand people in our Facebook group where I moderate the group. We talk about immigration questions. I go live. I answer their questions Mm -hmm. there. So especially if you're B2C, if you can start building up a community, if you can even start doing some marketing and community building before you even have a product to sell them, it's gonna make launching that product that much easier. And so the first few days went really well. Now the key is how do we scale that, right? How, how do we make the revenue chart go like this? And that's when the real fun starts. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I'm very happy because we got it out, it's working, people are really getting a lot of value out of it. So I think that's a great first sign. Now we just got to get more people to learn about it, to use it, to share it, all that fun stuff.
0: Yeah, and you're incredibly smart, and I'm sure you'll figure it out. Listen, Josh, it's been an amazing conversation. I wish we could go on for longer. I, uh, I'll definitely uh, share this with everybody that's listening with our community at CoSquare, and I'm, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll see some of the Visto uh, users and clients check it out as well. Appreciate your time, man, and, uh, and uh, all the best, and good luck with everything you're doing. I know you're going to kill it.
1: So. Yeah, thanks very much. We'll definitely share it around with our community too. And then maybe one day we'll have a round two for a little bit longer and, and I'll have a little bit more more <laughs> advice to give off the, off the launch once it's gone out a little bit longer.
0: All right. Take care, man. Thanks. Take care.